Hey, welcome everyone to another episode of Tyron Buckle Talk. As always, I am one of the co-hosts, Matt, and I am joined today once again by my wonderful co-host, Slade. Slade, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing well, doing well. Living large here in uh, Athens, Alabama. It's nice and sunny and seven and in the seventies. I'm kind of enjoying the spring weather we're getting. Oh, absolutely, man! It's uh, I was my son started soccer this past Saturday, and we were out there at the soccer fields, and there wasn't a cloud in the sky, and it was about I think it was like 65, 68, somewhere around there. Uh, no humidity. And, you know, I remember I just looked at my dad and I was like, hey, if it could be like this year round, man, like, just give me this weather year round. No humidity, no, you know, just comfortable. Um, but unfortunately down here, we only get about two, we only get about two weeks of it out of the year instead of the whole year. This weather is just it's just great and it and and it's getting and we're getting close to the most wonderful time of the year and of course that is WrestleMania season. We're only what four weeks away now? Yeah, fast lane will be next Sunday. Next Sunday and then three weeks after that. Yeah. The second WrestleMania, too big for one not to hold, two not WrestleMania coming from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Yeah, it's it's creeping up really quickly. Uh it, it gets quicker every year, it seems. Oh, for sure. And they even pushed it back this year. Yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks. They did. So, if I remember, they did. It, they gave themselves, I think they tried to give as much time as they possibly could to see how, see if they could cram more fans in. But I think we're going to probably have about 20 to 25,000 there. So, right. Hey, and that's, that's, you know, it, it's not, where we want it to be but if you look at it from last wrestlemania they had literally they had it in a warehouse man like they had wrestlemania in a warehouse an empty warehouse a warehouse like just think yeah and so and as and they did the best they could you know like yeah in in the situation they they were handed a really crappy deck of cards and had to do what they could with it but this is a step in the right direction at least we're getting some people back for sure and i was actually listening and i didn't even think of it till i heard this but i was listening to busted open podcast yesterday and they played a caller that called in and he had uh he had said they were they were asking if uh the fans were if anybody was going to wrestlemania or you know or if they were still staying away now that tickets have been announced and this guy called in he's like yeah he's like, i already got my uh, my 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 travel plans booked. I got the ticket. You know, whatever. I got everything situated. I just got to buy the tickets. And he's like, whoever the first person is, he's like, if I was a wrestler that night, he's like, I would want to be the first person out of the curtain because whoever the first person is out of that curtain on at WrestleMania is going to get one of the loudest pops. You know, yes. Um, just being the first to come out and you know uh he's like i would want to be the first wrestler to come out that night and, I, and then bully ray he's like yeah he's like you're absolutely right like that will be the prime spot um so yeah just getting the fans back getting getting that atmosphere um should help a great deal yes. um we'll talk about them here in a few minutes but uh i know from what i've seen watching off and on with aew the amount of fans that they're able, I think they get like a thousand to fifteen hundred in uh, yeah. Haley's place since it's outdoor. 
Right. Um, and, and from what I've seen, that that helps, you know, because um, you uh, and, and then NXT, I think they have what, probably 75 to 100 in there. Yeah. Um, it, it's it helps just seeing live faces um, and hearing feedback. That's one of those things that, that I've that you hear wrestlers talk about how it's hard to know if something hits right. without that feedback. Right. And you know, I, think, I think they found their stride um, because the, 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 there hasn't been much of a drop off in ring. And I think the ring's been really good over the last yeah. year. And I have been, I have caught myself watching numerous times wondering like, how are they this into it right now? You know what I mean? Cause yeah, which you, I know they see the cameras. So in their professionals, so they're able to, but still from a, just a layman's point of view, I'm yeah, just like, I, you're, you're, you go from like, you know, wrestling in front of thousands every night to, to nobody. Yeah. But I you're still showing that same intensity and like, I really respect it. You know? Yeah, it it like like I think I think about last year when when McIntyre won Drew McIntyre won the championship from Brock at Mania, and just how hard that had to be because you finally you, you've had all the tribute trials and tribulations he had you know he got fired back in what 2010, 11, 11 12 ish yeah, from the somewhere. yeah from the WWE he comes back he gets hot he gets over the fans are loving him he's getting over. He's starting to get big pops, and then the global pandemic hits, and he wins the WWE championship in an in a in an empty warehouse. Right, and there's just no way to to really properly celebrate that. So, um, that's it's unfortunate. It sucks, but I'm glad it looks like we're finally getting in the right direction, and hopefully this time next year we can have a full stadium full of folks in Dallas. Yeah, I know that. I think the Rangers just announced today that they're planning on having a full stadium on opening day for major league baseball this year, which is in a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. It's coming up, um, you know, so I think you're going to see people start to kind of take those chances um, with the vaccine numbers continuously going up and yeah. Um, um, and then, you know, somebody's got to be the Guinea pig, right? Yeah, um, in anything, somebody's got to take you know stick their neck out and and try, um, and so if you want to get back to normal, somebody's got to try to get back to normal. You know what I mean? And 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 I'm um, hoping in, in the and the numbers that you're seeing from the vaccine, I don't want to go too far into that, but the numbers are so encouraging, right? That, and I, that you're to the point of if you if you get it, like like I'm I'm scheduled to get it in about a month, and. I'm to the point of once I get it, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to go places and see things. That's like, I'm willing to do that because I feel that safely about it. And I'm willing to try. Right. Sooner or later you got to, right? Um, Yeah, you can't, like, I understand, like, I'm all for being cautious. I'm all for being careful. You know, I I had it. Um, I was fortunate I never got that bad, but I saw people who did. Um, But, I, I don't I don't want to keep living like this. I don't want to keep living being afraid to do things. Absolutely. And eventually and eventually with the with the vaccine numbers that are coming out that are so encouraging with the chance that we're going to be able to be fully vaccinated, have a, a fully vaccinated population by the end of May, like 
I'm I'm starting to I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm really happy about it. Right, and I mean, you had uh, the Super Bowl a few weeks ago. I don't think there's been I haven't seen or heard any any issues arise from that so far. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. So your, is, your is super the, spreader events, for the most part, are not outdoors. That's the other. That's the other mitigating factor. Right. An outdoor mania seems to be actually a good thing for that because it seems like the spread of COVID doesn't seem to hit as much outdoors as it does indoors. Right. And Slade, you've been to enough uh, arenas, indoor, outdoor, whatever. Um, and I've, you know, and I've been in. Uh, Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge, and, and I've been in big stadiums as well. And these outdoor stadiums, twenty-five to thirty thousand people sounds a lot, like a lot. But yeah. in a place like Tampa Bay or these professional stadiums, you can spread them out. Oh, um, easily. Oh, you know, absolutely. And, and people that are going there, I think they understand. You know, like they're. It, I think it'll be fine. You know. Yeah, they're they're. Um, yeah, or, it, be... like a NASCAR race, having 50,000 people at a NASCAR race, that's nothing because, like, Talladega holds 160,000 people, or right. whatever. Oh, yeah, and it's a two and a half mile facility. Like, you're you can spread people out at these places, oh, easily, and but still get them in there, right? And they make a lot of noise, and you don't lose a lot as far as that. I mean, it's a little different, and I and I and I love the cutouts they did for the Super Bowl. So it looked, so it had the look of a full stadium, but it wasn't full. Oh yeah. And apparently, and apparently Vince is not down with that. So I think they might be- try. Yeah. I think they might try and, uh, and incorporate some of the Thunderdome elements. That um, That's where I'm thinking is they'll do that to try to, they might that. block off some sections of the, the stands or something. It'll be interesting right. to see what they do. I know I say that about stuff, every podcast, but it truly, like, because they can do that, like, because you're going to have a big stadium, but it's not going to be completely full. So you're going to have gaps, and you know WWE ain't going to want to show a bunch of empty seats. Right. Um. So, but at the same time, they're going to want to show live people to, right. to push the fact that there's people in the stands, and these are real reaction-type deals. Uh, so it's going to be fun to see. And uh, speaking of Drew McIntyre, as we were talking about him a minute ago, or you were speaking about him a minute ago, uh, since we recorded our last podcast, we have a new champion on Raw. Um, I'm just calling him the champion because I can't remember which one's on each show, but it's Bobby Lashley. He defeated The Miz as we thought he would. Uh, The Miz, I like what they did with him last week on Raw where they got you kind of hooked in at the end of every hour. Um, and then finally, the payoff was at the very end. Why she just destroyed him? Yeah, he dominated him, and I like that they brought out. Uh, they they turned it into a lumberjack match to ensure that the Miz. You know, once like they made that stipulation, you're like, yeah, it's a, a certainty that is that is happening. Um, yeah, I didn't understand why. I don't know, whatever. But I don't understand why retribution was out there. But that's a whole different story. Um, Anyway, because it's like supposed to be a big baby face moment. Um, Yeah, if you try to make sense of everything wrestling, your head would explode. That was the only – let me make a few things. I I called the Lashley thing a couple of weeks ago. Right. 
just because so many things. He'd been booked so dominant, they put him in a triple threat match, which meant he could lose the belt without losing the match. Right. And that seemed to be a good way to transition. And I'm fine with Lashley being champion. I think it it works. It's a really um, it's a really big uh, show of what MVP and Lashley and the Hurt Business in general has has done uh, as far as how they took kind of a small opportunity. MVP was just a one off Royal Rumble shot because his son wanted to see him in the Rumble, right? And he turned that into this. But if you're going to go Lashley and McIntyre at Mania, and that seems to be the direction they're going, uh, that whole way that Lashley and uh, The Miz worked out makes Lashley look awfully babyface-ish. Right. Because uh, The Miz was the one that kept faking injuries and faking being sick and running away. To, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it was a really big babyface moment. Yeah, got like you know, and you had him crying in the ring after he won. I mean, that's babyface ish. Yep. And he's gonna be the heel in this match against McIntyre. Well, Don't get I got, I got a, I got a hypothetical for you. Shoot. Because I, I thought about this. I might have seen it on Twitter. I probably saw it on Twitter. Somebody throw it out there. Um, and you've probably seen it. But what do you think about? Brock, Bobby, Drew in a triple threat. Ooh. I will say this. I would be okay I will say this, like the one guarantee out of that match, they will be beating the holy hell out of each other. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that will I mean, be fun. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you saw the pictures of what McIntyre and Sheamus did to each other yes. last week. Brutal. You know, just just I mean, and those are those are best friends. Right, but they just—they're just physical. That they're—they're just physical guys that are going to beat the hell out of each other. And you've got a guy like Brock. You got Brock and Lashley, who are two very physical, very strong, very tough guys. Yeah, if you get if if we get Brock, and I'm you know, there's no guarantee, but if you get Brock, you know, there's going to be some some hitting going on. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. Them them three together in a triple threat in a WrestleMania match. You're getting they're you're gonna be Biggie, yeah. you're getting to quote Biggie big big beefy man uh slap uh big slapping men meat. slapping me. Yeah slapping me. Big meaty men slapping meat or something slapping like that. Meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um it would yeah, so it'll be interesting to see um if that's the route they go. If so, you got to figure Lesnar's got to come back by fast lane at the latest. Yeah, yeah. To even you don't set have... anything up. Yeah. Uh, but I, mean... I think because <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you you'd have to think that Vince has got to pull something out of his hat, right, for WrestleMania. You would being, think. being the first time with fans. Um, I mean, this would be the, the time to take some chances. Right, but you originally had the rumors when there was still hope that they could kind of have it in a full stadium that it was going to be, the you know, that The Rock would be making an appearance. Um, obviously, I don't think he is, or else he'd already be around promoting. Yeah. Um, you don't have uh, Cena, you would think, would come back, but he's he, – same thing he'd have to come back in the next week or two i would think yeah you know undertaker he ain't coming back 
Um, so maybe Triple H. Or is he going to be too busy doing takeovers? It's apparently it's going to be back on the weekend of Mania now. Right. I mean, but, um, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't have many rabbits to pull out of your hat at this point. You're right. There's Batista's not many more places. Batista's done. Uh, CM Punk doesn't seem to have any desire to come back. Like you don't, you, you don't have many options in that department. Um, I mean, Lesnar's about the only ace in the deck you got at this point. point yeah. Um, I mean, somebody had te- I had a buddy that texted me, and he asked if the uh, the plan was for AJ Styles versus Triple H at Mania, and I was like, I haven't heard that, but I would be all for be, it. That would work. That I mean, but, I could I could be down with that. Yeah, and then I started thinking about it. I was like, well, it makes sense because. Uh, AJ could carry that match for Triple H, you know, oh, yeah. I mean? and make him look like a million bucks. Oh yeah, um, and also we need more almost. We need more almost in our lives. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm a big almost. Yeah, sorry. And then I was thinking, well, what what is AJ doing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he doesn't really have a direction at this point. Um, because we also, you know, how I told you, how, I, t- I told you how I feel about AJ, like. He's awesome. He, yeah, he's my favorite right now and one of my favorites of all time. So, like, I'm always interested to see who they pair him with because I feel like anybody he gets put with, I mean, he can make magic with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and since we've and we've and we've already pulled out the Shane McMahon breaking break glass in case of emergency. Yeah. Him versus Strowman, and I just I not really I don't interested love in that. It. I don't love it, but I will say this. That's the kind of match that'll be perfect for what Shane can and can't do. Yeah. Where they're just going to beat the, you know, where Braun's probably just going to beat the hell out of him for 30 minutes yeah. or however long they decide to have it. That'll, that's perfect for what Shane can do. Um, but the other night, he looked winded just like walking down to the ring. Yeah, that was rough. Talking. Yeah, like we're talking bad stuff so yeah my buddy that i was just telling you about he texted me and he said does shane forget his lines I yeah like, he, i don't know it sounded looked, like it he, he looked like he got his lines he looked like he was gassed i mean yeah, like he was just stumbling and out of breath so yeah i'm not i'm not thrilled about this so but they don't have many more cards to play before mania they don't and brock's the the ace in the hole brock did and Brock and I mean Lashley's been begging for this for a long time now. Yeah. So and it makes sense. So let me ask you this before we move on. I, regarding regarding Braun Strowman, because I was watching the whole thing with Shane on Monday and it got me got me thinking, did did they miss the boat with him? Yes. Because I well, I, I was thinking more in the sense of I don't think he should be talking. I don't I think he should just I'll, be a legitimate monster. Like, I don't monster. mind him talking some. Um, they missed the boat on him when he was when he had the match with when he was the hold on, he was the money in the bank guy when Roman beat Brock at SummerSlam '98 or not at '98 '18. <laughs> Yeah, right. 98 was highway to hell between Undertaker and Austin. I keep forget that. But um, 
So, and he was super over. And he and he had a good look, and he had a charisma about him. He talked, but he didn't talk a lot. You know, you know, he said what he needed to say. I'm not finished with you, and you're going to get these hands. He didn't have to say a ton, but he had enough about him to do it. Then they turned him, and that he's it's like he's never able to get that momentum, and he doesn't need to talk a lot. He's frankly coming across like a whiner in this thing. I don't like what they're doing because it just. It doesn't make either guy look good. Shane looks like a dick, and Braun looks like a whiny little bitch. Right. And, I, yeah, it just had me thinking because, you know, you, you go back to that, uh, would you say, SummerSlam 18? Yes. Because um, yeah, he, so he, he teased cashing in, and the crowd lost their mind. Right. But I remember earlier in that year at WrestleMania, like him, that was when he did the spot with Nicholas. Yes. Um, with, with the tag. Um, yeah, against uh Seamus and Cesaro, and, yes. Uh, I remember that was like it's funny because I read social media later and like people on social media were crapping all over it, but the Superdome was going crazy for it. Like, it he worked. got he got one of the bigger pops of the night, so it yeah, worked. people, yeah, he was over at that point. Um, but also, like you said, he was just saying enough um, on the yeah. mic. And he, he that was just he, he was still you still got that Wyatt family connection because it was still fresh that breakup um, at the time um, and, and, and whatnot and it I think that lended credence to him but I think over time was just him being by himself and talking and then it I don't know like there's just not there's something missing you know yeah I can't put my finger on it. I can't, I, that's all I can say is just like, there's, there's something missing. And I think it, and it's also, I, I think Vince got, doesn't know what he wants to do with big guys. Yes. He just wants yeah, I think big guys fair. because you look at big show, he's turned more in his career than Dell Earnhardt Jr. Has. Yes. You know what I mean? Well played. Um, it it's he'll tell you the yeah. same big show will tell you the same thing and yeah i mean it's it's i mean it's it, it a running joke you know he i think with the bigger guys he's just so infatuated with bigger guys and that's that's his and cup I, of tea and but and for I some understand. reason there's no consistency with them they're always flipping back and forth you know and i get that it's hard to build sympathy for a giant i right. get that because they're bigger than everybody else. I mean, the only guy that I can remember just being a really good face giant was Andre. And that and even and, and Andre had an ability to seem vulnerable even though he was bigger than everybody. Right. And but Vince seems to want his big guys to be supermen. Well, I can't get behind I mean, I can get behind it, but I can't there's no sympathy there right because i can't be like well bless his heart you know he just can't catch right you're way bigger than the guy you're fighting right like like the, i mean there's ways around it. if you have a if you have a guy with the hill manager that can slip stuff into a contract or something to really put you behind the eight ball yeah i can get sympathy that way but vince also doesn't want his big guys or baby faces to look stupid so there you go Right, but you so you're almost having to, yeah. I was gonna say you just look at all the 
like look at what he did with Great Khali. Yeah. Um, he was everything from like a menacing like killer to he was dancing in in the ring. Yes. And then he got eliminated by Beth Phoenix in the Royal Rumble. Right. right? And but he yeah. was also a champion at one point. Right. And then you look at somebody like Mabel. Uh, oh take God. It back a little ways. You know, King Mabel. He won the King of the Ring. Beat uh, the Undertaker to wit as part of his King of the Ring run. But then he was also Viscera in the the Ministry of Darkness. And he was, all, and then he was this uh, Big Daddy V, the like L- really like love machine or something. Yes. Like, yeah. And yes. Yeah. He, he was obsessed with Lillian Garcia. Like, yes. You just look back through the history with all these bigger guys, and there's no, there's, 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 there's no, it's one I extreme mean, or the other. Uh, Andre's know? about the only one. I mean, he did have the heel turn, but for the most part, he was a baby face, and he was, and, it, and his heel turn made sense. But other than that, no, it's always they're flipping and they're changing their identities, and it, yeah, just I don't love it. Right. But yeah, I was thinking about that with Braun Strowman, and I just figured I would ask you what what your thoughts on it were. I I think I don't know if it's a he just doesn't have that long a shelf life, or if that turn when they turned him on Roman when people loved him, it was just hard for me to get that momentum back. But it, something's not clicking anymore, and it's a shame because he was really really good. Right. And that's what I'm saying, man. Like, I, I can't tell you what it is, but there's just something, there's not a disconnect there right now. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. and hopefully, I agree. like you said, I, I I enjoy watching him. Um, he's a freak of nature. Um, so hopefully that, that gets turned around quickly. Um, so moving on, what about Apollo Crews? Um, he has kind of uh, essentially had a whole repackage in what, two weeks? Yep. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying about Tony Storm a, co- a few weeks ago and, and uh, some other people like how you're supposed to change, but you don't change. So how am my feelings supposed to change, you know? Um, Correct. But with him, they did it super quick. Um, I mean, now he's got an accent. Um, yep. What do you think it's about talking. that? Um, I, I'll admit when, when he first started, I, I started cringing. Because I, I just I didn't want him to mess up. You know what I mean. You always have those, for lack of a better term, you always have those cringy moments, especially when you start thinking of things like Sabbath Simba and uh, Akeem the African Dream. That it's it's a very delicate game to play. Well, I was yeah, and I was thinking more so with Kofi with Kofi Kingston yeah. when Triple yeah. H, you know, um, yeah. Like, aren't you supposed to be Jamaican? Yeah, like. <laughs> you know, but I was just like, man, because I want it to work for him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I will say, I don't I want will it to say, get screwed I, up night one. Yeah, I will say this. He needed the heel turn desperately. He needed 100%. something because all he was was the bland guy, the bland athletic guy that couldn't talk very well. 100%. He needed this. I don't, I don't see him beating Big E for the belt right at the same time you can establish him as a credible threat to Big E by doing this right you know he sort of embraced you know he always had the athleticism he always had the build he always had the strength 
and now he's being you know and he's he's gonna use his power for evil and i this can work and i i give him credit for trying it and i give him credit he's done a good job with it so far but i will admit those first few those first couple times i saw it i was like this we better be careful with this yes yeah you know um where have you seen coming to america the first one i have not I mean, I've seen parts of it, but I haven't seen it all the way through it. I was wondering if this uh, character change for Apollo Crews was kind of tied into the release of Coming to America, the, the second one, because if my memory is correct, they're from Nigeria. Let's see here. Um, I can pull it up real quick. I've got, I've got the Wikipedia page. Oh, and random fact the original screenplay the original script for coming to america the first one is in the university of southern mississippi library oh nice all it's right so it's actually a it's actually a fake country called samunda yeah okay it's in africa yes uh, yeah but they because he sounded but, very similar to uh, one of the characters on coming to yeah. america and that's the first vibes i got because um, I was like, this sounds like so-and-so from Coming to America. But no, I did not, um, I did not know Apollo was an Auburn guy. Hmm. I knew I knew he was from like I knew he was originally from Georgia. Right. Like I knew that. But I didn't and I and, and he apparently was legitimately Nigerian. And I get he probably heard that accent growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I didn't realize he was. But I didn't realize he was an Auburn guy. He does sound like a guy. He does sound like is it Eddie Murphy's? That's the guy. That's the prince in that movie. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a while since I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize he attended Auburn. Like I did not know that. Learn something every day, Slade. Absolutely. But yeah, here's. I go ahead. Um, you're fine. I was going to say he was born in Sacramento, grew up in or he grew up in Atlanta. I think he actually technically grew up in Stone Mountain, which is also the home of Jake Snake Roberts. Right. Yep. Yep. Right outside. Um, right outside of Georgia. Um, but no, here's my here's my my only my only thing my only fear, and it might be because I'm jaded from previous booking. My only fear when they do something like this is kind of goes to what you said i don't think he's beating biggie you know and you're and if once and if you because, don't do this right he goes he goes back to being forgotten right but i, I just wish that when okay because say they they're just now giving biggie this push right right so he can't lose you don't want him to lose it's kind of you know but now you're repackaging Apollo, and he's this this character that you're repackaging in, him into is a character that to work you have to have fans believe, right? They got to right. buy into what he's selling. In my opinion, the best way to do that is give him three months of of squash matches of enhancement talent. Yeah, make yeah. it make, let him do that promo that he just did this past. Uh, this past week and then have uh, an opponent that he beats in 25 seconds 
Yes. As a kind of see, here's what I'm telling you type deal. Let him do that. Yes. And then by the third month, he's going a minute and a half. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then now he runs into Big E and he can lose to Big E, but it's still, it's making Big E look more formidable while keeping, because you know he, what I mean? Got Instead yeah, and, of and his he, first match or one of his first couple of matches being a loss, like an automatic right. loss where people already assume he's losing. That's, so, this um, is where you need squash matches back. Absolutely. Because it, it's kind of hard, but him kind of being, he's obviously going more of a dominating character, a, yeah. a, a you I, know, kind of a killer type character. Um, which is fine, perfect, but you got to prove that, you know. In a perfect world, what you could do is have Apollo take Biggie out and like do it for a month, so Biggie doesn't lose the belt on the defend the title in thirty days thing. Have Cruz run through people, but say you know Cruz shouldn't get rewarded with a title shot because he's the one that hurt Biggie. So it allows Big E to have other opponents while you're building Apollo. And you do the Apollo just running through people tour. And he's showcasing that power, that athleticism, the the skills that he, he's already got. You let him really showcase that. Oh. And maybe and maybe you have Big E fight a, a Shinsuke or a Cesaro or somebody like that and like barely hold on. Like he wins by the skin of his teeth. And looks yeah. kind of vulnerable because he's still not completely healthy. Meanwhile, you've got Cruz just destroying people to the point they finally have no choice of giving them that. Right. And they could even, I just had this idea, they could even throw him on main event. Yes. And do those squash matches on main event and get some of those. Cut guys. those promo. And then he could cut those promos on SmackDown. But you could still have those promo packages where he's like, look what I've been doing. Yes. Even though you haven't seen it on this show every week, I'm still doing it. And now I'm you might be drawing, yeah, you might draw some eyeballs to main event. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, but that way you can kind of be like, or, uh, yeah, or Big E could come out and be like, you're talking all this stuff, you haven't had a match. Da -da 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 -da. And he's like, no, actually, look at what I've been doing type deal. Yes. Um, so that's my only fear with him is that I don't want it to not work, if that makes right. sense. Um, there's it's nothing with him personally. It's more so the faith in the process. Absolutely. Um, and Dodie yeah. has done a really good job of, getting, of, of scaring you on the process because, well, they've screwed up too many times before. Absolutely. So well, moving on to our last topic before we come to what uh, – the main event of our show, no yep. pun intended. Um, we had an AEW pay per view this past weekend. Uh, yep. Slade, did you did you watch it by chance? I, I watched. So I didn't get to watch all of it. I watched a good bit of it. Um, okay, I didn't. I didn't watch it. I know. Okay, I know. Scorpio Sky won the. It was weird. They had it was a brass ring in, in a ladder match, and it looked like a huge donut. No, it looked like, I tweeted out on the account, it looked like an oversized golden Cheerio. Yes, that too. Like, yes, I agree with that. Yeah. And um, they did the they did the Sting and Darby Allen versus Team Taz. It was cinematic. Taz's own son actually got involved. I mean, it was 
it was, and they kind of did a nice little kayfabe thing where they made Taz call the match from the from the announce booth so he could so to explain why he wasn't there. Um, trying to think, but of course, it, all anybody's talking about is the the end of the exploding barbed wire death match. Um, did you did you have you seen it the the end? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I saw um, before. I, I saw before they uh, copyrighted everybody. Made, yeah, made them get taken so, out. So, so if you didn't see it, if you or if they or if you didn't get a chance to see it before they copyrighted, <laughs> no, hold on, I got it for you, Slade. <laughs> if you didn't see it, just imagine any backyard fireworks show you've ever been to in your life. Yes. So <laughs> it was so probably whole, better than this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. So. So the whole point of the match, like they have this thing set up where there's three sides of the ring that are covered with barbed wire and they they're they're loaded with C4 explosives. It's a it's an old Japanese deathmatch thing they used to do. Um, Mick Foley and Terry Funk had a very famous one like in '95 when uh, Foley was became king of the deathmatch, and so they did this thing where during the match the the Barbed wire exploded a few times, and uh, at the end, the the Good Brothers, uh, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, came down, and uh, they beat up John Moxley. Uh, Omega hits the one winged angel on the chair, wins the match, and then they handcuff um, um, Moxley because the other part of the match was after thirty minutes the whole ring is going to explode. Like anything that didn't explode before is going to explode. And they handcuff him. And then they have this countdown clock that keeps going down. And like at the very end, Eddie Kingston comes running down and he doesn't have time to get Moxley out of the ring because he's handcuffed. And so he just covers Moxley and the ring explodes. And I swear to God, I've seen louder more concussive fire uh, explosions at a seventh grade dance recital than you will see it was awful you're from alabama i'm from mississippi we've seen some explosions you know what i mean yes that was yes (laughs) it was so it was so bad that i expected there to be like i expected that to be a false like a false one and look personally no disrespect to Omega or Moxley. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Kenny Omega. He's not my style, but I respect what he does. Um, Same. He's super talented. He's super athletic. Um, and he's he's obviously ha- has a uh, very wide reach in the wrestling community. Um, Moxley slash Dean Ambrose. I respect the hell out of him. Um, he puts his body through stuff that I would never think of. Um, so it's nothing against them. Um, honestly, I probably felt the worst for Eddie Kingston, man, when I saw that clip. Because I'm sure, I was like, this, I'm dude sure think, thinking, this dude's dead. <laughs> he's dead. Because <laughs> he, he, he sold the hell out of it. Like, he oh, didn't man. move. It. Yeah. I mean. That I mean, arm dropped. And I was like, yeah, oh, I mean, man. I can. The, his, the only way you can explain that away is that he freaked out thinking he was about to die, and that he and that he had like and that he had like a, a reaction. You know, and, and I just it 
And then afterwards, I read where, or I saw where Tony Khan's kind of defending it. It's like, what else did you expect type deal? Um, they're most likely going to play it up as Kenny Omega designed it, and that's why it was a dud. Um, it Omega just, didn't really want to actually kill him and blah, 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 blah. You know, blah. it just, you have that happen. You were, you I were mean, wrestling for a golden Cheerio. And then you had that. that. But then also my buddy sent me a clip. There was a spot. It was during some match. I don't know which match it was. It was a, it looked like a tag match, but it was an apron spot. And they were supposed to do like a Frankensteiner or something off of the apron. And the dude didn't go with him. And so he's up there on the apron because the other guy fell off. And so he runs himself across to the other turnbuckle and like hits the turnbuckle and falls off onto the floor. Like I know what complete, you're talking about. I can't remember complete, who it was, but I know what you're talking about. A complete botch. And it's like you can't, you know, like you can't you, you gotta learn to improvise, man. You yeah. gotta learn to some of this stuff and WWE does it too, especially in the women's division, if you watch it. Uh, super yeah. choreographed, super duper choreographed, like a dance routine. Like you and can almost it, see them counting. Like you can almost and, see it if you're looking for it. And if something goes wrong, they don't know what to do. Right, they, because they cannot improvise because they're not used to it. Because yeah, that's not that, how they've had to work. And that, and yeah, like I, and 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 it's like I said, like I expected it was such a dud. And so obviously it done that I expected them to be like, oh, thank, you know, thank God Kenny Omega is really not that big. And then here comes a huge explosion right after that. Like, that's what I thought was going to happen. Right. That, kind of, oh, yeah, okay. Kind of a gotcha yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, a, oh, yeah. He really, yeah, he's really not that sadistic. He's not going to come, bam. bam. Yeah. And then, you know, you have this image of, you know, like there's so much smoke and, and then, you know, the trainers are trying to get down there and you can't see them or something like that. And instead it went off the air. And I'm like, really? Really? Hey, if Vince McMahon wanted to be petty, he would have come out and blew himself up again. Yes. The next night. But there's an explosion, <laughs> damn it. Yeah, he'd have blown himself up again and just walked right back to Gorilla. But uh, yep. also, I guess... To me, you know, obviously the most positive news that came out of uh, Revolution for AEW was the signing and debut of Christian Cage, uh, aka Christian in WWE. Which I guess blew that explains, my mind. Well, I guess that explains why I didn't get my dream of Edge and Christian BNC versus Houston. Yeah. Um, so that kind of explained to me that why they went with Daniel Bryan. I don't understand. I don't understand how Vince let that happen. I really don't. You know, I think Vince doesn't care. I think Vince wants if if the same thing with Big Show, and I don't mean that like in a disrespectful way. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't care about them. I think he wants them happy. You know what I mean? Like if that's what will make you happy, then go do it. I don't think he wants to hold these older guys high. I just keep believing it. I just keep. Big Show, I kind of understand. I just don't understand how he didn't poss- see the possibilities with with Christian there with Edge. Yeah, and I mean like that's he, I, that I don't understand. Like I don't understand how he didn't like make that more of a priority. Be like, hey, whatever we need to do to to keep you here, we'll do it. 
Right. But, and, you know, and there's no telling. Um, it could have been over money. could have been over um, creative direction. It could have been, been over a, a multitude, multitude of things. Um, but you know how the narrative is with Vince, especially online. I don't think yep. he's, you know, and I think with Big Show leaving, uh, with Christian leaving, I'm sure you'll see a couple others just because that's how the wrestling business is. Um, yep. It, it, it shows that he's that Vince isn't that vindictive person when it comes to these talents, the older talents, you know, like he wants what's best for them. And if that's what they think is what what will work for him, he's not going to stand in the way of that if he thinks that they can or if they think they can go out and, and, and get better. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so that I think Christian debuting was the was the absolute. uh most positive thing to come out of the episode of AEW Revolution. Um, hopefully they won't. They, hopefully they'll, they'll get things corrected. Hopefully things will get on the right track for them. Like I said, I anticipate that they will use this coming episode of AEW Dynamite and try and play it into the storyline like it was meant to happen that way. Yeah, I mean, um, you almost have to because you can't you can't not. Yeah, I mean, you could go one or two ways with it. You can you can play into it and kind of try and gimmick it out and make it work like that, or you can explicitly kind of kind of make fun of yourself and come out and say, "Hey, yeah, we screwed up," but not necessarily say it like have another explosion on Wednesday night. You know what I mean? And do it yeah. even bigger, but for no reason. Like just start off the show and blow the ring up. You know what I mean? Yes. Nobody yep. in it, nothing happening. Like you just blow the ring up and be like, "Here, we redeemed ourselves." Type thing. I'm there. like, I don't know. You know, you can go one extreme or the other, but you got to do something. About yeah, you it. can't. I think they will. You can't act like what happened. You can't act like it didn't happen. Right, because that's all that that pay per view is ever going to be remembered for. Um, you know, yep. no, like I said, no fault of the talent. Uh, they were not in control of that, but it's unfortunate. Um, because from what I read and what I heard about that match specifically, uh, they, they put on a show. Um, it was a good match. They gave I didn't love all. the ending, but it was a good match. Right. They, they gave it their all. Um, and, and the only main criticisms you can get from that match itself are literally out of the control of the talent in the ring. Um, so, but yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, that's live television, right? Yep. So moving on to what we really, really came here for, we're going to do a watch along of an old Monday Night Raw episode. Um, I have to admit, I've been on a kick lately of watching old Monday Night Raw episodes from, I think I started early 1995 and I'm on like mid 1996 now. Um, the beauty of going back and watching these Monday Night Raw episodes is one, this is when I really started getting into wrestling. Um, as a kid watching every week with my brother, um, this would put me about five, six years old. Um, so this was right when I was actually where I can remember seeing the shows, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so these, this time period kind of holds a special place in my heart. Um, cause it's when I really started watching wrestling, um, that I can remember. Um, and it also, the whole, I don't know, it's just, um, 
it's only 45 minutes on the network because there's no commercials. And this is back when Raw was only one hour. Right. So these are, they're very easy to watch. Very easy to watch. Um, they move really quickly, especially with no commercial breaks. Um, so I thought it'd be a, a good idea for us to do a watch along and just kind of go back and, and, and watch an old episode of Raw um, and just just see what was going on back then. Um, so what Monday Night Raw episode are we watching this time? It's like November 20th, 1995. We have the the uh, thing, the teaser on the WWE Network is a new challenger looks to take a bite out of newly crowned WWF champion Bret Hart's title. Actually, it says Bret Hart. Yeah, I saw that. BS title reign. The one, two, three kid takes on Hakushi. And in the main event, Shawn Michaels is pushed. And I'm thinking it's to the limit by Owen Hart, but I I do not have the uh, thing. Yeah, pushed to the limit with one of Jim Cornette's top clients. Okay, the top five and more. What's that? I was mimicking Vince McMahon saying all this and more. Yes, on Monday Night Raw. Before we get started, that just reminded me. Um, there's an episode around this time period uh, for you, Slade, and other. I'll have to find it. I might post a clip on the Twitter. It's so funny. There's an episode where Sonny gets slopped. By the Godwins. Yeah, by the Godwins. And Vince McMahon calls it. And he oh loses my God. his mind. It's, I, I, was, I was crying. I was laughing so hard at him. She wants slaw. She got slaw. Oh, my God. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah. But, yeah, that just reminded me of that. So, I have to go back and find that. Like I said, I might clip it and, and post it on the Twitter account um, for, for the world to see. But, but with that being said, are you are you ready to get into the episode? Yeah, I'm I'm four seconds in. Right, hold on, I can start over. Now. Yeah, you better start I'm over, ready. Slade. Yeah, I'm not coming to meet you. You meet me. All right, here we go. Let me get to start over. You got it muted. I got it muted, and I've got okay. it paused. Got it. All right, so um, we're going to give everybody a countdown. Like I said, we're watching the Monday Night Raw episode from November twentieth, nineteen ninety. What year? Five. Five. November 20th, 95. Um, and so just pull it up on the WWE Network. That might this be is, the last time we can say that, Slade, because maybe the next watch along we do will be on Peacock. I've got the Peacock, so we're good to go there. But right. yeah, uh, um, I will say uh, just quickly before we get started, this is the night after Survivor Series 95. Bret Hart beats Diesel and had beaten Diesel the night before. And Diesel had snapped after the match and powerbombed Bret like three or four times. and and so that's leading into this match. That's leading into this night. All right. Well, Slade, give us a countdown. And as soon as you say play, we'll hit the play button, man. All right. You got it. Three, two, one, let go. All right. Here we go. See, this is my favorite intro of all time. The worldwide, for over 50 years, the worldwide leader in sports entertainment. Uh, the old school, because we have the pay-per-view replay tomorrow, we can't actually show clips. But we're going to show still photos. Yep. Here comes Diesel with Diesel locked in a classic. This was actually, a, if I remember right, this was actually a way better match than you would think. Brett got something pretty good out of Diesel. It's a no-DQ match. 
Brett kind of Brett in the pink and black, Diesel in the white t-shirt, white tank top, and black leather studded pants. I love that Survivor Series logo. Yes, I, yeah, so they had some really good ones. Oh, oh this they have the spot where Diesel knocks Brett through a table, and then Brett Brett collapses. Diesel goes for the power bomb. Diesel feels sorry for him. Brett rolls him up. One, two, three, and we have a new WWF champion, Earl Hebner, with the with the ring with the count. Diesel not not happy. And now he's powered by Brett. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's at least one referee, if not two, lying in the ring. Yeah, it looks like two. Diesel had the opportunity to win it. This, I've got the close captioning on. Yeah, it comes in but handy. It's way behind. Yeah, it's it is way yeah. behind. All right, here's the old school. From Titan Towers, there's cheerleaders. There's Vince and Doc Hendricks. Good God. Dean Douglas. Forgot Dean Douglas. So they used this as the intro for DX, did they not? This exact shot. I think part of it, yeah. Yeah, like like the the cops running. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah. Yeah, that's the beginning of the DX video. I thought so. I had forgotten or probably never, didn't realize that that was the intro to Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I never put those together. I didn't either. Let's see here. They're in Richmond, Virginia tonight. Welcome to Monday Night Raw. This is probably one of my favorite Raw sets. Just it's R-A-W. Really- I love it. And we've and we've got and we've got okay, we got Sean versus Owen. A uh Jerry Lawler talking about Vince yelling last night after he got took a tombstone from Taker. Guys, if you're listening to this and you haven't and you didn't grow up on this era of Monday Night Raw, I encourage you to go back and, and watch a few episodes just especially in this time period, early 1996, late 1995, um, just for Jerry Lawler and Vince McMahon on commentary. Jerry Lawler was in his prime. Like, I know, I know he, gets, he gets talked about a lot with, with Jim Ross and for obvious reason, but he was he funnier. Was, dude, he was just zinging them left and right about everything, every single episode. And then Vince so over the top, and he wasn't even, he would never call a move, you know. Yeah, so it was, um, I highly encourage you to go back and just watch a handful of episodes from this era just for that alone. And that didn't even cover the the entering content, but just the commentary is is amazing. Also, for for all reasons. So, so the lead up to what we got right now is one, two, three. Kid has turned his back on Razor Ramon, and um, he calls Razor a match with Sid last week. One, two, three. Kid and Sid are members of the Million Dollar Man's Corporation, um, and Sid has helped has helped the kid get through. Um, 
some pictures of Yokozuna. Is that? I don't think that's Ahmed. No, it is Ahmed Johnson. That is. Ahmed Johnson and a British Bulldog. Um, and then, and now we have Ted DiBiase and one, two, three kid hugging in the back and getting a jobber entrance is Hakushi. Uh, Hakushi was called the the modern day kamikaze, which I just don't yes. think you get away with nowadays. <laughs> I don't you know what would give you that idea. I don't know I just what would make you think that. I just, I just don't see that working. There's Tim White. You have a sneaky suspicion, huh? Sneaky suspicion that that just wouldn't work. <laughs> okay, the old school like spotlight thing where it says one, two, three as he's walking down to the ring. He didn't take the million dollar man music, which I thought was kind of interesting. Even after he joined the corporation, kept his old music. Ted DiBiase with the waving the dollar signs and kids. He was so young. He really, I mean. Kid looked way younger than he was for years and then, until he grew the beard out, truthfully. Right. Like when he did, when he was clean shaven, he looked young. I love that raw set. It's a really good set. It really is. So retro. And let's see here. So, yeah, dude, uh, I, I think I, I messaged it to you earlier today that. Uh, about Arn Anderson, I was listening. I was listening to his latest podcast. They were covering the 1996 uncensored pay per view. I was from and Tupelo, was it yes, not? Yes, it, it took place in Tupelo. Um, it was widely regarded as one of the worst pay per views of all time up to that point because it had the three cages or whatever. Yes, um, the two versus like the yeah, it was like eight on two. Yeah. Um, so they were covering that. And at the beginning of it, uh, Conrad just asked Arn about Mississippi because he was like, we don't talk about Mississippi much. What, you know, what, what are your thoughts on Mississippi or you're just, you know, whatever. And he was like, man, he talked about him and uh, uh, who did him and somebody raced all the way from uh, Memphis to Tupelo and got there in like 50 minutes. That's hilarious. Like 115 miles an hour. He's like, because it's four lanes, no traffic. Highway 78, what used to, what is now I 22. I can 100% believe it. Yeah. He's like, been down that that road many a time. Yeah. He was like, it was like one in the afternoon. He's like, we got, we got there in 50 minutes. But he was like, no, he's like, you know, we go down to the Biloxi, go to the casinos. We always enjoy that. But then he mentioned, he's like, you know, Cowboy Bill Watts. He's like, he always booked those territories. He's like, he'd always uh, book Hattiesburg and da da da. And he's like, Hattiesburg? So, oh my goodness. It's like, so nice to see your hometown get a little shout out. Um, Absolutely. For, for something other than Brett Favre. Um, yes. <laughs> So yeah, that, that was a little little cool nugget of information um, that you never know what you'll find on a wrestling podcast. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. So yeah, if you're out there, if you, I'm sure you already do because everybody listens to Conrad's podcast. But uh, give the Orange Show a listen. Um, he Arn Anderson's to, a funny dude. Uh, well, well, we got a Marty Jannetty run in. He's pissed off at Kid for eliminating him last night at Survivor Series. We've got two. Two refs trying to get him out of the ring. I think Marty just mad at the world at this point. The, the, we have reached the point where Janetti's mad at the world on any day that ends in Y. Yeah, yeah, very accurate. 
I need to I need to find Conrad today. He's, he lives like 20 minutes from me. He's you know he's a, the pride of Huntsville, Alabama. I should find him. He actually once retweeted me, and it was no, it had nothing to do with wrestling either. Well, there we go. There's your connection. Apparently, my sister-in-law's sister cleaned his house once, and she has said that he has like no surprise if you listen to him, but that that she was blown away by the amount of wrestling stuff he has. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that's like his thing, that that's how he and that he kind of got into it because he bought one of Flair's belts. Yeah. But that it would blow your mind. Oh, nice. Nice Enziguri there from the kid. He's doing the karate hand gestures and whatnot. He looks completely ridiculous. But this is, for, for context, this is, and if you're watching, you can obviously tell, but this arrow, they're still in the very character-heavy, um, gimmick-heavy yeah. area where every every wrestler has to be something, um, a garbage truck guy, a hockey player, whatever. Um, so that's kind of what he's going for with this. Hakushi is the Japanese guy that has Japanese writing on his shirt. Apparently, uh, he was a heel early in 95. He and Bret Hart had some really good matches early in 95. And I don't remember exactly. Well, I think he felt sorry for Barry Horowitz, and that's how he became a face. Have you heard Barry Horowitz's entrance music on the WWE It's Hava Hava Nagila, like, sped (laughs) up, right? Yeah, it's awesome. Yes, I realized is. it a couple of nights ago. I was watching an old episode of Raw, and he was on it. <laughs> okay, and I was did, like, "Wait, I've heard that." Did a frog splash? He attempted to. Yeah, like I like he Hakushi kicks out. It's but it looked like he tried a frog splash. Your name's it not like he was unsure. Yeah, he yeah he kind of it's like he wanted to, and then like halfway through, he's like, eh, "Don't know if this will work, so I'm not yeah. going to do it." Yeah, he was not very confident. We need to get. Eddie Guerrero could have taught you this, kid. They're giving him a decent amount of time. Yeah, especially for a one-hour show. You know, you're, That's you're what I'm gonna, saying. You know, three-hour show, yeah, this makes sense because you've got a lot of time to fill. I just realized one, two, three kids wearing Franklin wristbands. Yes. Uh, I, I wore Franklin bike, wristbands when bike, I played when I Are played those bike elbow pads? Yeah, they are, I think. I think that's the that but yeah, they they're Franklin. I wore Franklin wristbands playing Dixie Youth baseball. Absolutely, <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, I, I think I tweeted it out during Raw this past Monday. You know, they got a three hour. It was an hour and a half into the show this past Monday, and they'd only had two matches. Yeah, they. But I was fine with that. Three hours is too much, in my opinion. It is always was. But that was one of the things I didn't love about Nitro is that it got that three hour Nitro's just dragged. Yep. And yeah, I just I, I don't understand it, but that's their little red wagon and ain't mine. Kid kicks out after a Hakushi uh, dive off the top rope. Kushi with a back body drop. A lot Ooh, of air on that. A kick to the mush. That was a nice kick. It was nice. And now, 
what is Tim White doing? He does. Kushi on the top rope, and now DiBiase throws him off the top. Kid rolls back in the ring. See if he can take advantage of it. Spinning heel, a roundhouse kick for the one, the two, and the three. Kid wins. Kushi is lying in the ring. I'm sorry, kid. You just your vicious face doesn't work without the beard. Yeah, it doesn't. You look like an angsty 14 year old. Now Nibiasi gonna give him a give him a few bucks. Money, money, money. Oh, back when back when hunters had small faces. And now Jerry Lawler going to interview the victorious kid and DiBiase. Going to talk to him real quick. <laughs> I've said a lot of derogatory things about you in the past, but right now I'm proud of you. Tell <laughs> me. I'm telling you, Jerry Lawler was absolute greatest. Yes. During this era. Dude, his commentary, I... I'm pretty sure Survivor Series 96. No, it, no, 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 not 96. It's 98 or 99. It's the spot where Moolah and Mae Young are out there during uh, Survivor Series. I the, think that's it, 99. Dude, his commentary during that. Jim Ross gets a couple in too, but his commentary during that. I was crying so hard when I watched uh, oh, it. Oh, back. Genetti's back. Uh-oh. But, but uh oh, Sid's behind him. And he doesn't really Genetti's see it. And now, and not I'll just any Sid, Sid, it's Psycho Sid. I'll give Psycho Sid credit. Like, he doesn't nail Genetti from the back, back. He walks in front of him and gives him a chance to leave. And then he, and then he wallops him. Dude, I'll tell Kids you, getting some kicks in. As a kid, I Ooh. was always jealous of Psycho Sid's hair. Because I had like bleach blonde hair, like like I had really blonde hair, but it mine's Uh-oh. very straight. Sid up and so Zunetti gets power curly hair. I love I love Sid. I have grown to love Sid. He's not a great. He's great. He, he was never a ring worker, but he had such a presence. He didn't and have he, to be man. And he, and he knew how to he knew how to make it work. Yep, he didn't need to be a, a in ring general. Uh oh, uh oh, folks, we're getting Doc Hendricks. Sid just needed to be the the ruler of the world, slave. Yes. That's all he needed uh, to do. Uh, oh god, oh god, oh god. I'm sorry. We just got Doc Hendricks. If if the people out there don't know who Doc Hendricks is, it's Michael Hayes. Hi, your kids, don't show and them this. Michael Hayes as a complete goof. He's hyperactive, he's... <laughs> Michael Hayes, without any of the Michael Hayes charm. He's wearing a ridiculous sweater and collared shirt. Here, here's some more '90s uh, references for you. He's he looks like he's auditioning for a spot on QVC. Yes, he really does. But Matt, wait, we, there's we more. Have our, we have our announced match at Hershey Park, Pennsylvania, at in your ha- at in your house, British Bulldog versus Bret Hart for the WWF Championship. Now you get the Coliseum Home Video 
uh, showing of the SummerSlam 92 main event where Bulldog beat Brett in a absolute you know, classic. That was that was a really good match, but like they milked the hell out of that match, dude. Oh, they did. I mean, but, you see it here, they're advertising it in in, in November of '95. Yes. Um, they that's one of the most milked matches they've ever had, in my opinion. But yeah, yeah, absolutely a great match. Bulldog is given a Bulldog is given a promo. Jim Cornette is just <laughs> nodding and looking like he looks like he's he looks like he needs to fart. <laughs> he was about to say he looks constipated. He's he, he's not saying a word, he's not talking, he's just he's sweating. just nodding <laughs> sweating with that red jacket and blue shirt, yellow tie. <laughs> what the hell is this? What the hell is this fit, Cornette? You know, that, I might need to clip that. at the face that Hendrix just made. <laughs> Wait, I may I may need to clip that uh that that promo and, and tag Jim Cornette in it and ask him what he was doing. Yes, you should. Oh, 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 we got the hog pin match. Old hog versus <laughs> Isn't that how you say his name? <laughs> uh, big uh, Diesel has showed up to the arena. He's <laughs> just he's a, couple of kids. a couple of guys. <laughs> Couple kids dressed as grown men. Yep. There's a WrestleMania video game in the background that I wish I would have in my house right now. Yes, the arcade WrestleMania game. And you can only see half of it, so it's like a big tease. Yes, it is. December 17th, 1995, from Hershey Park, Pennsylvania, in your house. I believe it's in your house, five. In your house was so great. Uh, I miss them. I really do. I love that they brought it back for NXT. Now we have Body Donna Skip, aka Chris Candido, and Sonny in the ring. God, God bless him. Sonny was incredibly hot at this time. She was beautiful. Yeah, she really was. And honestly, if if you if you watch this era of uh, of Monday Night Raw, you'll notice that. Sonny is like the most prominent person on these shows for a yes. good six, eight months. Okay, so now we've got the old school uh, house show thing, the Wacomico Center, the Core State Spectrum, and Madison Square Garden this Saturday. I love these old school promos, advertising. Absolute Youth Center in Scranton, PA. And then one week from tonight, they will be at the War Memorial Coliseum in Johnstown, PA. Um, Get your tickets now. Yes. Be there. That's actually an old WCW thing, but still, I like it. So, we missed the Diesel talking to Shawn Michaels and Shawn Michaels and his ridiculous leather cap and Slayer. whatever it was. Yes. Do you see the Karate Fighters logo? Yes, I did. Oh. Do you remember the old Karate Fighters? Uh, is that Isaac Gankum? <laughs> Oh, Savio Vega. Do you, do you remember the old Karate Fighters tournaments they used to do around Survivor Series where they'd have yep. the, uh, like, Jerry Lawler would go up against Bob Holly and they'd have a Karate Fighters match. Barry Dubinsky, who was their shiller, their uh, their merchandise shiller. Um, <laughs> These he are so ugly. An Undertaker jacket. And a WWF turtleneck. Wait till they turn around. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Those are so terrible. 
$59.75 each. I could buy that at Walmart for like five. I mean, the bread like this was this was also the same time frame that Sega Genesis games were selling for sixty five dollars. This is true. And people complain about sixty dollar PS four games now. Savio versus Body Donna Skip, Chris Candido. Those do you know? Do you know? I did not realize until like two days ago that Body Donna Zip was Tom Pritchard. I did know that just because I remember the talking. I but had yes. no idea because I was watching they were talking or whatever, and or Sonny was talking. And they were, I was like, he looks familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. So I Googled it, and it came up Dr. Tom Pritchard. I said, no is, way. His body is cloudy. Is that Bruce? Because they had like a, a, a cloudy was like a – I don't know how to describe how cloudy he was. She like a he she. Right. And I'm trying to think, is that was that Bruce? Let's see here. But cloudy, let's see here. Sunny was skip sunny. Zip. Oh, it was oh, it was Jimmy Shoulders. It was it was one of it was one of Candido's buddies who was dressed as a woman. And then and then Skip got hurt, and then they ended up going to ECW and WCW, and then he he ended up dying of a blood clot in two thousand and five, and it's sad because he was awesome. Absolutely. Speaking of Bruce Pritchard, have you ever seen the episode of I think it's two episodes he's on? As a guest commentator, I, I have it, not. I mean, I probably have, but it's been. I think so it's on. I think it's on Superstars. Okay. Back in like ninety two or ninety three, but I he's think he was pretty good. Is he, is, the, he, is he as Bruce Pritchard? Or no, is he as no, no, no. He's as somebody else, like a whole oh. different person. Like wow, I forget, I forget the name, but he's got like a mustache and dark hair. He looks almost like a. Zeb Coulter, uh, 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 uh Dutch Mantel, yeah, dirty Dutch. looks almost like him, but he sounds just like Dusty Rhodes. And oh, it's that's so hilarious. funny, and you could tell us oh. a rib on Dusty Rhodes. Oh, oh, Big Daddy Cool has showed up and he is stalking around the ring, going towards Skip. Sonny Savio's like, What? and now Diesel just shoves Skip to the ground. But yeah, I'll have to I'll have to find those episodes and uh, send them to you. Um, that way you Excellent. can watch them because dude, they're they're funny. When you figure out that it's Bruce, like it doesn't even you wouldn't even know it was him. Um, oh, oh, we got now. Big Daddy Cool has a mic. Big Daddy Cool looks like Marty Jannetty with the same jacket on. Just a lot taller and with better hair. Yeah, yeah. And now he's cutting a promo. How he's how he's not sorry for what he did last night to Brett. All my dear fans, <laughs> Jerry Lawler, who needs your fans? The thing is, this actually got him over. Fans actually cheered him when he starts saying this. Right. 
I mean, it was. I'm not saying this is the beginning of the Attitude Era. It's not, but it's a little bit different, and it actually kind of works. Yeah, it's starting to shift ever so slightly. Yeah, yeah, it's not there yet. It's not fully there because you still have Hakushi, the Body Donnas, One Two Three Kid, but you're you're starting to see a little bit, a little bit more of an edge to it. Right, there's a little mixture getting through. It's yeah, getting thrown in there. <laughs> that looks that's is that Kevin Nash or is that Jesus? I, I can't tell. <laughs> so you kind of get Vince's outed as the as the as the owner here. Yeah. He gets to talk about you missed the ball. Yeah, he's he's just yelling he's in the camera right now. The you the you change me promo, which which would inevitably lead to the Steve Austin as a suit episode of Raw a few years later, where he uh, ends up backhanded Vince in the nuts, which is always a funny funny visual. Big Daddy Cole's back. Putting everyone on notice. Yep. The same guys on Providence at the Royal Rumble. I actually have listened to a podcast all based off of that Royal Rumble, which is how I found that bingo break show that I posted on Facebook yesterday, which is hilarious. And apparently it's the last time Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Enid were on screen together. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't realize that. It was a. It, I looked. I looked into it a little bit. Apparently, it was an old WWE producer decided he put two hundred fifty thousand dollars into this bingo show, set it in Baltimore because Baltimore was apparently like this bingo hotbed, and it was like gonna test market it in Baltimore and then syndicate it, and it flopped miserably. But it had. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon under his real name of Bob Morella. It's it, and Sean Mooney is the bingo master. And on one episode, Bobby Heenan shows up as a as a guest. Hmm, that's interesting. And it, yeah, I, I, you sent it to me, and I, I'm, I still need to watch it. Um, but it's, uh, it's you sent it, funny. and I was like, "Dang, I, was like, I had no idea." Oh, apparently, oh, Diesel did say that he would keep. He would keep high-fiving fans and he'd keep fist bumping, but they better have a black glove on because that's how he knew he was with them. Right. So I kind of like that. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of with this. Diesel has less than a year remaining in the WWE, by the way. He's fixed to go to WCW as as the uh, Kevin Nash to start the NWO. Yeah, I found that clip. I posted that clip a little while back on the Twitter page. Yeah, of, about uh, how. The in your house match. Oh, Brett um, and Brett and HBK are having a com. Oh no, no, that's Diesel and HBK having a conversation. I'm sorry. Showing their support for one another. The click, the click will never die. Oh, they're showing the replay of the, a replay of the Survivor Series. I, I, 
so I don't know that youngins will remember this, but back in the day when they had pay-per-views and, you know, you had to call your cable provider, they had a very big market for the replays on Tuesday nights. And so they would show a lot of this. And you would get, like, special encore presentation tomorrow night, 8, yeah, 7, it always, 8, 7, yeah. 7. It always called Tuesday nights. Yep. And that's why they were so upset a few years later when they screwed up on, when WCW screwed up and they cut it, they cut their pay-per-view short and they just showed the DDP and, oh, the Bone Street crew. We got Kama versus Taker. But uh, they showed DDP versus Goldberg on Nitro. And the pay-per-view company was pissed about this because they lost a lot of their potential audience because the fans who didn't see it had no reason to buy it at that point. Right. That's Taker in the Phantom of the Opera mask. Which is worn because, as we mentioned earlier, Mabel won the King of the Ring 95 and he beat Undertaker to do it. Um, he also shattered Undertaker's orbital bone in that match. And Owen gets a jobber entrance. You know, I always love that King of Hearts uh, little oh, spot. Dude, line. that was his his entrance song was like the most 90s entrance song ever oh god i'm 90 percent sure i used to hear that on espn on baseball at night during like Orioles blue jays it, it reminds me of the saved by the bell theme song yes and now we've got sean michaels coming down the aisle in just the most ridiculous attire I, and here comes sean michaels ah What a goob. He's just a sexy boy. Okay. So I was able to find a clip. I don't know what date it was. But I found okay. a clip on the Twitter that I'm going to send you. And it's of uh, okay. Bruce Pritchard's character. All right. I'll take a look at it. Yeah, it's like a 59-second clip. But, dude, when you watch it, you're going to cry laughing. Tell probably you. Um, well, I just sent it to you, so you'll have it. But, yeah, um, it's absolutely hilarious. Let's go. So yeah, I, I said earlier that Sonny was very prominent in in this era on Monday Night Raw, and rightfully so because, like you said, she's an absolutely gorgeous woman. Um, on the flip side of that, obviously during this era, uh, they were all about Shawn Michaels as well. He was oh, absolutely. Getting, he was getting pushed to the absolute moon during this time. Yes, this is this is just before the boyhood dream. And he's yeah, every match he's in. Um, he's just working his tail off in every match. Oh, 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 oh. Shawn Michaels' work rate at this time is unbelievable. Uh, 
Shawn Michaels with some arm drags, back, body drop, drop kick. Why the hell is Fuji out there? He's with uh, Jim Cornette. I mean, I... Wait, I just, wait, wait, wait. I just, no, I, no I'm just, not justifying it. I'm just telling no, you. No, no, no. It just hit, it just hit me that Yoko and Zuna and Owen Hart were still a tag team at this point. So, yeah, it does yeah, make yeah, sense. Yeah, they're there at this no point. Yoko, yeah. There's no Yoko out there, but it does make sense. I just don't quite understand why he was still with, with Cornette at this point. But, you know what? We'll go with it. I was like I was saying, you know, if you, yeah, everything can't make sense in wrestling. And to be fair, the, the, for Fuji's not a bad Fuji, for God's sake. Right. Yeah, Owen, Owen and Sean, they had a lot of matches during this time together. Um, they had a whole nice Frankenstein in there from Sean Michaels. Credit where it's due. The, they had is, really good chemistry with each other. They really no, they did. did. They did, for sure. Um, and this is still in the era where Owen's being, being booked seriously and believable. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, if, if you know anything about wrestling history, after um, after Bret Hart left, things kind of went downhill for Owen um, in the yeah. WWF, uh, booking-wise, at least. Okay. okay, look, I can understand Fuji being down there, uh, I guess. I can understand this. Why are you waving the Japanese flag at this point? <laughs> no, it's not Japanese. <laughs> You're in Virginia. The guy you're supporting is from Canada, and you're waving a Japanese flag. Japanese flag. <laughs> yeah. Which, it's, just to do it, should be noted. Kind uh, of show your support to a wrestler who is from the, from Hawaii. It should be noted. Oh, nice German suplex at the bridge there from Owen. Owen thought he won. He's, he, he, he raised his hands. The always fun visual of spit flying like 40 feet in the air from a shot. Oh, Here Sean was up. great at that. Oh, yeah. Owen with the kick to the bread basket there. To uh, the Dolph. Gorilla Monsoon. Dolph is really good at doing that, too. Yes. Backbreaker to HBK. Get some stomps. Owen starting to dominate the match. Fuji still out there. God rest his soul. He doesn't. He really doesn't seem to have any purpose out there. And he's waving a Japanese flag for a Canadian guy. But God love him. We can't help but like him anyway. Fuji is selling pretty good. He's you know he's fist bumping every time Owen hits a big move. I, 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 he's invested. He is Cornette. Uh, he's got his tennis racket out there. The never say die attitude of Shawn Michaels, as Vince McMahon mentions here. Think of his good friend, Big Daddy Cole Diesel, and his new attitude. Uh, to be, I mean, again, I would point out that the old Big Daddy Cole was brought in by Shawn Michaels to begin with as his bodyguard. So maybe HBK likes this new. Sh- oh, nice minute hill kick there from, from Owen. And now here comes this commercial break. We're getting a near fall as the we'll break starts. That's just hilarious. Double feature. Oh, a nice Isaac Yankum reference over here from uh, Jerry the King Lawler. Isaac Yankum, of course, 
You would later know as Kane and current Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs. It's been a neck breaker there from Owen. Standing leg drop. One, two. He didn't hit the big move before. That's why I didn't get the three. Ooh. Shawn Michaels gets a back flip into a cover. One, two. Owen gets out. Clothesline from Owen. That was a nice clothesline. Owen getting excited, raising his hands, getting a knee drop on on HBK. Another European uppercut. You know, I've watched a lot of movies, and I've never seen a European guy hit somebody like that. HBK with a punch, punch, punch. Oh, it rakes the face. Suplex puts puts Sean on the the top turnbuckle and oh he couldn't hit the superplex. HBK falls on one two. Owen kicks out at the last possible second. We got it looks like a game of chase going on on the on the hard camera side there. You know Before what I am going to do? Uh, watching all these old episodes of Raw Slade. What's that? I'm gonna find me a clip of somebody during a match doing the abdominal stretch, and I'm gonna post it on yes. the Twitter. Hashtag yes. bring back the abdominal stretch. Hashtag make the abdominal stretch great again. And then yes, I'm going to find another clip stretch. of somebody doing an abdominal stretch slate, but I'm going to take it one step farther. I'm going to find a clip of somebody doing an abdominal stretch and then slapping that person on the rib cage. Yes. That's where it needs to be. So we've got a, we got a double count out situation here. Yes. I, I'm surprised this match didn't have an abdominal stretch in it. Truth you know, truth I have told. surprisingly watching these this era of Monday Night Raw, I haven't seen an abdominal stretch yet. And I've watched probably a good eight to ten months of it. I know for a fact that, that Dude Love brought it back in the yes. 90s. I know he did. Yeah. Oh, the the now we've got the Shawn Michaels, the patented kip up and the uh forearm to the face. Stomping on Owen's face. Body slam. And if I okay, uh oh. Going up top. You thought John Cena Earl invented the like, five moves of doom. Uh-uh. And oh, he hits the elbow drop from the top. And Randy Sab sweeps as Owen Hart kicks out. <laughs> So HBK whips Owen into the ring. Owen does the same thing his brother does, and he takes the uh, takes the turnbuckle bump face first instead of turning his back. Oh, Owen, yeah. Shawn Michaels is a really weak uh, tuning up the band. Okay, HBK up and ends a gurry to the back of the head from Owen. What a nice so move. beautiful. Yeah, he had the most. Owen could hit it. Owen could hit an Enzo Gurry with the best up. Oh man, it was so smooth. 
It really was. And now he's got Sean in the in the spot. He's going to go for the sharpshooter. But Sean with the rake to the eyes. It's like a Ric Flair move. Yep. Sean gets up. Owen with a few punches. Whips into the turnbuckle. Ducks a clothesline. Then we do this. Uh, breaks him out. He holds on for the sunset flip. And then Sean skins the cat, comes back in the ring. And this is what this is known for. Sean starts his celebration. And then he, he collapses. The woozy here. And I remember this whole thing because I was nine years old when this episode aired. I watched it live. And I freaked the hell out right here. Because Sean's just lying in the ring and like Owen's like looking legitimately concerned. Yeah. And sh- yeah. I was going to say, because this is the time, I mean, you still had a couple dirt sheets, but you didn't have Twitter to tell you two hours before the show started, hey, Shawn Michaels is going to pass out tonight. That's the plan. Yeah. Yeah, Shawn Michaels, <laughs> you know what I mean? he's taking some time. He's not or, scheduled or, to be on the raw, on the pay-per-view this month, so he's probably going to do something to get some time off. Or you just look at what happened with Kyle O'Reilly a couple of weeks ago. Wasn't it him? Like, yeah. Some yeah, where fan he, where thought he, he was having a seizure, so the internet thought he was having a seizure. Like, right. and you can't do it. Like, and so WWE literally had to come out and be like, "No, this was part of a storyline." It's like, man, what? If I remember correctly, because you've got, because see, this is where it gets weird. Because Vince like literally leaves the commentary position and goes into the ring to check on him, yep. and then they bring the oxygen mask out. And you have all the trainers and the EMTs now. Like it was weird. Was serious business, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and if I remember right, I've, I've read a little bit about this story. Sean played it to the hilt. Like when they got him to the like when they they actually took him to a hospital and he faked like he was having a major concussion. Right. Like I want to say maybe spent a night in the hospital because they weren't a hundred percent sure. Yeah, he's on, he's on top of his game right here. Yes. That is a big-ass walkie-talkie. <laughs> that's, a, that's a custodial walkie-talkie. That's a, yeah. what a janitor uses. Yeah, so, and Sean plays it up, like, you know, he's, he's getting into it, and then, like, it's like the, the effects of the enziguri finally yeah. hitting. And he, and, and if, and I don't know if, you know if you remember this, but this is around the time he got legitimately beat up by nine Marines in a parking lot yeah, in Syracuse. Because on commentary for about a month straight, they'll mention it about how he got attacked by thugs and, and all yeah. this and that. Which, from all accounts, Sean started it. and Yeah. Uh, 1995, Sean Michaels was a complete jerk. Yeah, that's the nicest. Jerk was a nice way of putting it. Yeah, like Lawler's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What do you need me to do? There's I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you got dead air except for like what's being said in the ring. Yeah, it's very, like, they, they pulled it off very, very well. Yeah. Another pet in his face. The woman looks terrified. Yeah, no, I mean, it's especially in this time, like you were saying, this is 1995. Um, you can't look through, yeah, through a 2021 lens. Like, 
you wouldn't know until like next week. Like you didn't have that instantaneous news cycle, especially for yeah. wrestling, you know. Um, yeah, because I mean, even 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 though Meltzer was around at this point, you're not getting the Meltzer sheet for until Monday the next week. Right. So you got to wait so a week you're not for gonna, anything. So if you, even if you are an avid dirt sheet reader, you don't know. No, the only thing you could do is speculate with your friends at school. Yeah. You know, because you didn't have Twitter, you didn't have this outside world that you can, you know, there was nothing. Right. Um, so, yeah, this is a very, very believable um, segment. Very well done. So you've got... I don't and know I, wish, I wish they would put their cameramen back in jumpsuits and coveralls. Yes. <laughs> yes. But like, I don't know if you gonna... noticed this or not, but, like, you're seeing a lot of, like, the upper ups in and that ended the show. The, the show right. goes to dark with them trying to take care of it. But, like, at the end, you had, like, Gorilla Monsoon and Pat Patterson and J.J. Yep. Dillon in the ring trying to, you know, I mean, it adds to it. It adds realism to it. Because, like, you know, these are these suits in the back with you know we're suits in the back coming out to check on you. Absolutely. It made it very, very real. And so, guys, yep. that 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 was how that Monday Night Raw ended. Um, and then for and then for a little while after this, Owen Hart's finishing move was actually the enziguri. Right. Like like he would like he would hit an enziguri and that would be it. But but yeah, it, guys, it like like I was saying up. earlier, um, the it, these are much easier to watch than the current. Not because yeah. the talent's better, not because, but mainly because it's, it was only an hour and there were no commercials. It's forty five minutes. It flies right by. Um, it's not yeah, a chore, and, you know. Yeah, you yeah, you're getting, you know, you're getting what three we had what three yeah, three matches. It was uh Kid Hakushi, Savio, and uh Skip that got interrupted and then HBKO went. That was it. Right. But it worked. But you're yeah. still able, yeah, you had that and then you had all the stuff, uh the the promos and whatnot that, that and you had Doc Kendrick made it anyway. Yeah, making his QVC audition. So, I mean, but yes. you, you were still able to progress the storylines and for it to only be technically 45 minutes, you know, without commercials thrown in, um, they're able to fit a lot. lot. Yeah, they, they fit yeah. a lot in there. And if you go back and look through this era and this time frame, you know, this is before Raw really got going. This is before Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is before right. um, the Attitude Era, quote unquote, um, so this is before it really, really catches on, but you can kind of see the groundwork being laid during this time yes. to where like they're starting, they're starting to figure out the formula. You know what I mean? Um, they're yep. starting to figure out something that works on a consistent weekly basis. Um, you see it a little bit with the with the with the Diesel stuff tonight on this episode with right. with him kind of calling out Vince for trying to change him into a corporate champion, and that's not how he's going to be a little bit more of an edge right and you can you, you know as you progress through and watch um you, you you can definitely see the evolution taking place if you're looking for it um, like i said it's kind of more of a slow build more of a slow journey but you'll notice things here or there and you're like yep that in the light bulb started to go off in your head um so that that's fun to watch in that aspect because i haven't watched these rolls since i was a kid you know i've watched all the pay-per-views through this era but I haven't gone right. back and watched like the the weekly shows, um, so it's very it's very fun to go back and watch with with 
with the same set of eyes, but with a different perspective, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Because like I said, they hold a special place in my heart just for nostalgia's sake. And, and, and like I said, being my initial memories of wrestling. Um, so it's fun to go back and see it a, a, a little while later, you know, down the road. Yes. Absolutely. Do you, do you have anything else for him, Slade, or will that about do it? That, that'll just about do it again. A good episode of Rod. I forgot how much fun these were to watch. They As were. a kid, I watched them all the time. They they really do fly by. Yep. You know, and, and like I said, being only an hour, um, superstars the same way. Uh, WWF superstars. I wish they would add more on there, but um, I think they're only an hour as well or 45 minutes technically. Um, they're easy to watch. And so, and they and they go hand in hand. Um, so that, yeah, it, very, very, very easy watches, um, especially if you're just used to, to today's current product and, and how it's formatted. So, um, well, Slade, if you don't have anything else for him, I don't think I have anything else for him other than, and I haven't done it yet, but if you will please go give us a like and a follow on social media. Um, on Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, we are at Buckle Talk. And on Twitter, we are at Turnbuckle P. Uh, it would be greatly appreciated. And you would stay up to date with, with all things Turnbuckle Talk um, every time we drop a new episode and all the content that we deliver to you. Um, and we would greatly appreciate it. So with that being said, Slade, you got anything else? If you don't, we'll, we'll, we'll get on out of here. If you do, we'll discuss it. I think it's time to have a good, bud. There we go. I like the sounds of that. Well, until next time, fellas, everybody be safe. Um, and, and, and thanks for tuning in to Turnbuckle Talk, and we hope to catch you next time. Uh-huh.